Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Okay, can you see me? Can you hear me okay? Can you see me? I can hear you. I cannot see you yet. There he is. <laughs> hey, man. Maybe I don't need my headphones. Hello. Up to you. Up to you. I mean, I think headphones might be better for the audio quality of the podcast, if that's okay, if they don't bother you. Yeah, I like it. Oh, can you see me still? I can still see you. Okay, okay. These computers. <laughs> You're so good at them. <laughs> how you been? I've been so good, and I, I want to hear so much about how you've been. But the first thing that I have to do is make you sit through an ad read. I hope that's okay, just real quick, and then we'll okay. get our, we'll get right into it. Okay. <laughs> This episode of 39 Minute Conversations is not officially presented by Letterboxd. If you're like me, you watch way too many movies to the point that it's hard to keep track of what you've seen, what you've liked, what you never want to see again. Letterboxd is a great app and social website where you can not only log, rate, and review the movies you've seen, you can read your friends' reviews, see what movies are popular right now, keep up with film news. You can follow great critics like David Sims, David Ehrlich, David Chin, all the Davids, and many, many more presumably not named David. It's also, it's also just a home for movie lovers. In the last few years, a lot of the great movie blogs and websites either shut down or laid off their staffs or started making nothing but clickbait because the internet doesn't let us have nice things anymore. But on Letterboxd, you can still find articles, blogs, interviews, gift guides that include posters, collectibles, action figures, books, and more. If you're a movie fan or have a movie fan in your life, Letterboxd is the first place to check out. Follow Letterboxd on social media, download the app, add me as a friend. That's Letterboxd, made by movie lov lovers for movie lovers. And then we pause to indicate the ad is over. And then, hello, I am Brian T. Arnold, and this is 39 Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones. But I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. My guest today is a mega talented actor, singer, and dancer. Recently, you may have seen him in that 90s show, Call Me Cat or Bust Down, or you may have seen him on Broadway in Memphis, The Little Mermaid, Sweet Charity, or the original ensemble of Wicked. Or maybe you've heard one of his albums, his song Butterfly reached the the top 100 of the iTunes R&B chart, and his song, Oh Yeah, was featured in the web series Open Houses, co-written by and starring me, Brian T. Arnold. If you haven't seen that, don't worry, nobody has. He does it all. He's annoyingly great at all of it. Please welcome Rhett George. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, my that God. That was a very, mm -hmm. that was like a awesome introduction. Uh, oh, yeah? Like. I'm humbled. Is that what they say? <laughs> I'm so humbled. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You shouldn't. Wow. Don't don't be humble. Be proud. Be be a little braggadocious. Just let people know what you've done and who you are. I think that's you know. Just wow. own it, man. Own it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. It has been way too long. I know we worked. It has yes. been, yeah, we, we worked together, uh, 2016, 2017, the CBS diversity comedy showcase, uh, in it for during that time, we saw each other pretty much every day for months. We got very close and then that ended and we all kind of 
went our separate ways and you and I haven't seen each other but maybe a handful of times since then so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just super excited to see you and catch up like instantly you're just such a, a light of a human being that every time I see you I just get like happy so I'm so glad to be talking with you today wow thank you and I feel the same to you you are oh. always awesome and every time I see you it's a joy I have a memory of us rehearsing in your apartment yep are you in the same apartment same apartment I remember, right? It was for a sketch. Uh, oh, we, we did a couple sketch rehearsals here. We did a, yeah. a lot of like dance choreography. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, that was my one of my favorite sketches that didn't make the show. The um, It's going to sound so stupid to just say the title, but it was um, Dangerous Minds, but with ballet. I don't know if you yes. remember. <laughs> it was totally. just, it was yes, just and it, go yeah. ahead. Wasn't it like a, um, we were dancing to a Kanye West song? Oh, I don't remember. I don't okay. know. I don't know cool music. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, not that Kanye is cool anymore. Um, but yeah, it's. <laughs> uh oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> A lot of what this podcast is about is how I've kind of lost touch with people because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and just because I've become a bit of a of a shut in uh, in this time. And I so I always like to start with how have these last few years been for you and how have you been doing through all of this craziness that we've been living through? Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I, COVID was kind of like, or that whole thing was kind of like the unknown, but then mm. I kind of like, some would say I excelled or like I, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. COVID was so good back. for you. COVID really was good for no, no, no. you. Not excelled, but just found more of myself because, sure. and like, it opened me up to saying, well, we don't know what this is. Mm -hmm. We don't know if the world is going to blow up. We don't mm -hmm. know anything. So you might as well just live and not mm -hmm. care about consequences. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was working at Equinox gym at the front desk. Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't say this too loud, but whatever, but <laughs> you know, just publicly, but whatever. But it, that COVID was actually a reason for me to say, maybe I shouldn't go back mm -hmm. or maybe I shouldn't be stressing about, you know, like it's over, you know, do something else or like, mm -hmm. you know, try to go to different avenues. So I think, I feel like COVID for a lot of people forced people to like, look at things they would not have looked at mm -hmm. why because we were home right and we had nothing to do so right. it forced you to open up other doors or open up other thoughts in your mind that you maybe mm -hmm. closed off or mm -hmm. maybe didn't tap into that so that um, that's what i mean no i get it yeah. i get it i definitely i closed a lot more doors than i opened but good for you okay. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that you figured that out um i can bleep out the name of the place you worked if you want me to but otherwise well we can leave it in whatever you feel Okay, I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll figure. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm really excited to talk about. You know, you had you've had a a really wild career in New York and L.A. And I I really want to talk about like I don't know like I don't know your whole story, and I want to know more about it. So I want to start kind of. Mm. I want to start. I know that I did some research. I know that you were raised in in Toronto. Wow, uh, you really did your research, bro. You, okay. uh, it's what I do, man. <laughs> your mom was a Christian singer in the Caribbean. Oh my god! Find <laughs> that shit. Just on your website, man. Pay attention. <laughs> oh, my website that I did myself. Thank you. Well, I had help from a friend, but I'm proud of that website. It's a good website. Yeah, thank so you. So your mom was a Christian singer in the Caribbean. You, she taught you to sing. You were taking singing lessons by. Uh, age three, you yes. were taking uh, piano lessons by age six, you were dancing in competitions around that time, 
tap, jazz, ballet, hip hop, acrobatic. It seems like you were set up for this kind of career in life from an early age. What was that like kind of, was this sort of the expectation for you that you'd go into this or did you um, just kind of fall in love with it yourself too? I feel like my, well, you know, because my mom was a singer and she had like a band in the Caribbean, my parents had like, my mom had like 10 brothers and sisters and then mm -hmm. she had like four sisters in the band with her. So she always sang, but then they were, Caribbean parents are all about education too. So it's mm -hmm. like a double-edged sword. It's like, you know, my mom bought me a tape recorder with a mic teaching me like hymns and mm -hmm. gospel music. But then same time, she's like, no, you're going to be a lawyer. Like, you know, you got to do your studies. You know what I mean? So it's like, what do you want? You know, don't buy me a recorder because I'm going to sing. You know what I mean? So I've got like tapes of me and my mom like singing together. You know, I have a Caribbean accent because I was three, mm -hmm. you know, and because my, my parents were Caribbean. So it's like, where's this kid from? You know? And um, yeah, but my mom told me that uh, when I was in like, in the grocery store, I'd be like tap dancing, fake. Mm -hmm. I used to, my big fan was like Sammy Davis, Michael Jackson. I'd watch, mm -hmm. and people would be like, "Oh my God, is he is he a tap dancer?" And my mom's like, "No, he's just." I would just be in the in the aisles like tap dancing and singing. Yeah, you know. So I guess I showed it from an early age, but not to say that my parents didn't push me, but it was like we acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. There's like my parents weren't stage parents. Mm, okay. As I got older, it was all me. It was me that realized, okay, I want to do this. And I'm the one that got on the buses and like took six buses to an audition by myself or like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and my parents were there if I would ask, but they weren't stage parents. Yeah. So I, it was all pretty much me realizing this is what I want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but definitely my, my mom had influence because she, you know, and my dad played a lot of records. They've got eight tracks and records mm -hmm. and Whitney Houston and playing in the house all day long or whatever, you know? So music was definitely in the house. Uh, and then I had like two cousins. How I got into dance is I, I had two cousins that took dance mm -hmm. and I would go to their dance recitals. And then um, I, I think I, I wanted to be Sammy Davis Jr. So my mom put me in tap class and it was just that one tap class. Cause also mm -hmm. dancing and competition is very expensive. Okay. So in the beginning, my mom was like, you get one class, <laughs> take it every Saturday. So I went to the day, you know, mm -hmm. and then I was like, mom, I want to play the piano. So my parents bought me a piano. And that's my only regret is that I pretty much learned the piano by ear. Mm -hmm. And had I had like really known that I was going to do this, I would have learned the notes and sure. like, you know what I mean? So yeah. they bought me a piano, but I never used to practice. You know, mm -hmm. I used to, you know, and had I, I wish that I had would practice in like at least two hours a day or two hours, you know, every other day, um, because it would have helped me now, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's my one regret as far as piano. Then I did track and field. I thought I was going to be the next track star. So I, I was just, cause I grew up <laughs> an only child until I was like, um, my brother was born much later, like when I, uh, when I was 10. Okay. So, or 13 or something like that. So whatever, you know, 10, 13, whatever. So whatever, same, whatever. It's all same thing. Yeah. I'm not going to age myself. No, of course not. I mean? no. <laughs> but um, I'd, already I'd already developed only child tendencies as far as like, independency and like doing mm -hmm. things on my own. So mm -hmm. my parents keep me occupied, just put me whatever I asked, you know, yeah. and tried it out. Yeah. And you stuck with most of that. I was, I, I was, did, yeah. I was the opposite. My parents kept like, I'd always asked to do something. I took guitar lessons. I took mm -hmm. like a cooking class. I took karate. And every time I was like, this is hard. 
I just want to go home and like, and I started like, I would like write and, and draw. And that was, that was, they let me do that. But like my parents were, did let me quit a lot of things. And <laughs> it right. sounds like you just weren't, you were just, you were, you were dedicated early, which is very cool. Yeah. I think, thank you. You know, and also because when you're an only child, I feel like I, I'm speaking for myself, but I, it'd be cool to like speak to other like children that grew up by themselves, sort of, mm -hmm. where there's just two parents and, and you know, you kind of have to make things to do to keep yourself occupied unless, you know, your parents are always taking you over to like other family members or friends mm -hmm. or whatever. But essentially, you kind of have to make your own life, you know, you yeah. got to like entertain yourself. You know, I, I was the baby of the family. I have an older sister and I had cousins who grew up across the street from me who were mostly older. They had one younger than me, but it was always mm -hmm. like, I think I still have like the younger brother syndrome of like, I'm going to tag along. I'm going to do whatever you're going to do. Like that's mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm the, I never made my own fun for a long time. And so I think that's still, still something that I do is just, you know, uh, what are you guys doing? Can I, can I hang out? Can I join? <laughs> that's just how yeah. I always feel. Yeah. At what point did you move to New York and decide uh, I'm going to I'm going to try theater because on your website or an interview I read whatever all this research I'm very I'm very thorough. Um, you said <laughs> that you accidentally got into musical theater. What does that mean. Okay. Okay, so in Toronto, I was dancing, I was singing, I was um, doing commercials um, and then when I was 16. Uh, I really got into singing where I was like writing songs and like trying to get a record deal, you mm -hmm. know, and I had all these dreams and I would go do demo tapes or whatever. So I thought I was going to be the next Brian McKnight, you know, Brian McKnight, Donnell Jones, all, you know, mm -hmm. Tony Hathaway, Stevie Wonder, never knew nothing about musical theater. So I say accidentally because uh, my parents never took me to like I would hear about and see the commercial oh, Joseph's playing somewhere or whatever, but I never got into that. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was downtown and I was like, I was 18, I was 17 going on 18. And I had already been like on my own, like going downtown to auditions at a young age already. So that was nothing new. Mm -hmm. And then there was this huge line for this show. And I remember asking, What's, what are y'all auditioning for? And they're like, rent. And I was like, what is that? They're like, it's a musical down here. They're like, you don't know Rent? I was like, no. It already been playing in Toronto for about a year. Okay. Toronto cast, they started original Toronto cast, but they're looking for new people. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, and I, they were like, it's singing. And I was like, singing? Okay. I, you know, and I, they were like, oh, it's pop music, whatever. Yeah. So there was a store. I got on the subway. There was a store called Song and Script. And I was like, I'm an audition. You have to, at that time, you had to get a ticket. So I got a ticket, but there was mm -hmm. like a four hour wait. Oh, so I had time to pull the ticket, get on the subway. I went to this place called Strong and Script. I found My Heart Will Go On, mm -hmm. Celine Dion. Sure. In her key. So in my head, I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna make this shit work. I, went, I got the song, got the, the sheet music, went back to the, waited in line, got into the audition and totally changed the melody and riffed my way all through the song. Mm -hmm. And I got a call back mm -hmm. and the guy was like, why haven't we heard you before? Or why didn't you audition the first time? And I was like, because I'm 17 and I never heard about <laughs> I don't know what the hell rent is. <laughs> so then five callbacks later, 
Mm-hmm. I got, I was a swing in the Toronto company of rent. So that's how I say accidentally, because I didn't know what rent was. I didn't know what eight shows a week was. I didn't know what swing was. Yeah. So that's a whole other thing. Me going home crying because I covered Benny and Collins and four guys. So I covered six parts. Oh, geez. Did not have a clue yeah. what swing was. And you can go on at any moment. I also, didn't know what swing was until this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. <laughs> different harmonies. You got to learn for different parts. I mean, so I'm 18 thrown into musical theater mm-hmm. amongst people that have been doing musical theater their whole life. Yeah. So that's what I mean by accidentally. Yeah. If that's a word. Yeah. You must have liked it enough to because then was it right after Rent that you moved to New York and started uh, trying to get into Broadway? Actually, what did I do after Rent? Actually, I left Rent and I actually got a U.S. tour of Fame the Musical. Okay. So I toured the U.S., um, went to pretty much every state um, with the U.S. tour of um, Fame. Mm -hmm. Then I actually came back to Toronto and did The Lion King. Okay. Um, And then after The Lion King, because I had so many injuries in that show, no offense to people that are doing it, injuries, yes. And I'll (laughs) say it, I'll say it, yeah, (laughs) because Lion King is a puppet show. Mm-hmm. with singers and dancers right so it's gorgeous to look at but sure you're gonna start feeling like injuries you've never felt huh. before in yeah. your neck because we would have like grass on our head and like you know the state <laughs> the rake is the stage is raked so you're walking up but you know it's a yeah. lot dry ice the whole thing so um another thing of when i talk about um and this is one story i'll tell as far oh, as i always tell it as far as like follow your instincts. So I was doing The Lion King and uh, there was a magazine called Backstage, mm-hmm. um, which as everybody knows, now I've it's more online, yeah. right? Yeah. But back yeah. then it was like, you got to buy the, the, the paper. There mm-hmm. was no online backstage, it was just pick up the paper. So I would pick up the paper, look in the auditions all the time. And I had done a TV show in Toronto, a Fosse X TV show with this like lady who is the equivalent to NCIS, What's okay. that actress's name? But that lady's been doing it for like 25 years or whatever. I don't know. But you can... right. <laughs> so there was a lady that did a Canadian show that's similar to that. Okay, great. And, but she was also a dancer, singer, and she did a, we did a Fosse, a one-hour Fosse special. Mm-hmm. So I knew that the choreographer that choreographed that cast me in that was choreographing a show called Aida. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the audition, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to audition. So the assistant that assisted in that TV show came to see The Lion King. Mm-hmm. And I went straight up to her and I said, hey, I saw they're having auditions in New York for Aida. Are you guys looking for anybody? Should I come? And she said, oh, no, we're not looking for anybody. <laughs> okay. Had I listened to her, uh-huh. I wouldn't even probably be talking to you right now. And I said, F it, I'm going to go. So mm-hmm. I went, come to find out they were auditioning for a whole Aida tour. Oh, man. She didn't even mention that to me. Yeah. When I went in, the choreographer totally remembered me, booked the show. I also got to thank a guy because back then, it's like they got the Broadway show and then they have the tour. They open up the tour shortly after. That's Sometimes that used to happen, right? Okay. But a lot of the actors on the Broadway show, if you get on the tour, you can make more money because you get a per diem, then you get your paycheck. So that was the thing. You could like oh. save all this money. Okay. So how I ended up on Broadway was accident too, because I replaced the guy that wanted to go on the tour and they put me into the Broadway company. That's so funny. Cause I, I mean, I don't know much about Broadway. I'm not a theater expert by any means. Um, 
you think of like the original cast as like the prestigious thing, but the tour actually sounds more almost at least financially like maybe that's the that's yeah, the better people choice. used to go on tour and buy houses because you just save all that money and then you come back Dang. with a whole bunch of money so the guy that i replaced pretty much he went on tour to do that and, and probably see the world or see you know the nation or whatever mm -hmm. um but that's how i ended up on broadway okay and um, then you ended up in wicked like the original broadway cast of wicked yeah um which is obviously again I'm out of my depth here. I've never seen a show on Broadway. <laughs> I've seen some shows that um, came to LA, but uh -huh. I've never, like I've only been to New York a couple times. Never been on Broadway, so I'm asking questions that I I'm doing my best. I know very little. Um, but Wicked is obviously a huge phenomenon, a giant like one like the second highest grossing Broadway show I think of all time. Oh, and is it? okay. <laughs> I know under, that that's got to be under Lion King. It's that's under Lion right. King. Yeah, okay, Lion King passed that. it last year. Yes. Um, I did again research. I know nothing, but I <laughs> but I can pretend. Uh, did you have any idea when you were like starting out on that show that like this thing is gonna be a giant smash, or was it just like no. a total surprise? Total surprise. It wasn't a total surprise because I feel like I definitely knew there was money behind it mm -hmm. just from the set and the caliber and how big you can and rehearsals, you can tell, okay, they're putting money into this thing, whether because there's a lot of big shows that don't make it, you know, <laughs> sure. Um, uh, it wasn't I don't think and, and we also didn't win the Tony like so it wasn't. <laughs> You yeah, know, they thought Wicked was going to win, you know, we did an out of town run in San in San Francisco for two months. And I remember going thinking, wow, this is a, a pretty good show just on like the songs, the, mm -hmm. the scale of it all. Mm -hmm. But when we got to when we got to New York, um, they had changed a couple of songs. Mm. So I even remember one rehearsal, people were like, save your paychecks because we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> with this show, because it could be big all day long. But if the show doesn't hit or land, yeah, you know, it could run for two months and then close. Sure. Um, but I feel like I'm having a memory of one week, all of a sudden we had like so much ticket sales. I think it was maybe after the Tonys, all of a sudden there was like a million pre-sales. Oh, and that's when I knew, okay. Yeah. Started knowing, okay, this is going to be a while. Also, it's based off of like, you know, everybody loves the Wizard of Oz. Sure. So. But then, I, you know, yeah. Spider-Man, everybody loves Spider-Man, but Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark wasn't exactly a... <laughs> Exactly. It's exactly a smash. You see? So it it's just, you just never know. But once those pre-sales came in, we were like, okay, at least we have a job for a year. Mm -hmm. And then as we started doing the show more and more, you're like, okay, this is going to be around. This is going to, this is going to be, you know, but even like now I'm still like, I remember, cause that was 2003. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've worked at some, I've worked with a girl the, who started crying when she found out that I was in Wicked. And I'm looking at her like, this girl's crazy. <laughs> but to some people that have yeah, been- Yeah, it's huge for a lot of people, it's yeah. It's huge for a lot of people, you know? So I was like, damn, like, this is crazy. She started crying. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> calm down. But for some people, they go yeah. up with it, 10 years go by and they're like, oh my God, you know? So, yeah. What was your favorite Broadway show to work on? And any any good stories from from that one? Um, if you have a favorite. As much as Wicked is uh, a great musical and, you know, great, I would have to say Aida. I think Aida okay. is a beautiful musical. The set, I love pop music. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Aida had songs that could be played on the radio. Like Elton John wrote the music. So I just loved Aida. And that was my first Broadway musical. Okay. And um, the songs were just gorgeous. And, you know, it had Heather Headley, who went on to be like an R&B, you know, released albums. She did R&B music. And, uh, and I just thought, yeah, I just thought it, when you watched it, it's just like a gorgeous you know, the sets and the music and the lighting and all that, you know, so it's still one of my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Um, what made you transition to Los Angeles? You're obviously having a lot of success in theater and, you know, not to disparage LA, it's not exactly known for its theater. I mean, there's mm -hmm. some good stuff here, but not, you know, I, I'm sure part of it was switching to minus switch to on camera, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But what, what made you decide to make that change? Oh God, I still ask myself that question now. <laughs> why did I do, you know, why did I do it? I feel like ever since I moved to LA, I'm on a, what do you call it? Like a TD totter thing. Yeah. And I'm about to fall off at any given moment. If somebody pushes down too hard, I'm going to fly off the end. That's all of us, baby. But for some reason, I, 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 the thing goes down hard and I, I hold on. Yeah. And eventually I come back down and we start to even out again. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing, I've done a lot of musicals. Like when yeah. you, like when people would say, well, the, the amount of musicals you've done, that's somebody's whole career. And that's yeah. not bragging. That's just, that's just a fact. Yeah. yeah. So I just remember, I even taking it back to like, I was heavy in dance competitions. And I even remember when I was in dance competitions, like 15, I would start having like injuries. Mm. And I, I knew back then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be a dancer like that. I'm always going to dance, mm -hmm. but there are some people that, dance and that's all they do but yeah. I sang and I was always funny and goofy and joking around and doing sketches from when I was like five years old mm -hmm. so I knew in my mind that because theater is if you're um a triple threat that's great but it's taxing on your body you know yeah. theater is hard doing eight yeah. shows a week it's not I can just, imagine yeah you know and I feel like some people take that for granted or some people just look at it like theater is like oh y'all doing Broadway but it's like no it's it's yeah, everybody everybody thinks like oh yeah broadway whatever no but <laughs> or they, they think it's like they just go oh those broadway people they sing so grand and it's just yeah. like oh until they get into it right hence a lot of these like tv celebrities that go into broadway shows to sell the tickets mm -hmm. they get a rude awakening when they're in it and they're like this is actually really intense and hard yeah but yeah i just thought in my mind i'm like I've always thought, okay, I'm from Toronto. I had the ambition to go to New York. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I've just always been that type of like a dreamer or like a, what do you call it? Like a gypsy, like, I'm just going to try this, mm -hmm. you know? So I was doing Memphis the Musical and we did it. We were on the road. So I toured the nation again. Mm -hmm. And then I remember we were in Orlando and I just thought, am I just going to go back to New York and audition again? Mm -hmm. I've already done this about, I feel like I've done this like for the last 15 years. So mm -hmm. why not try something new? So I told myself, I'm going to go back to New York, but my mind is going to be like, you know, and I ended up booking this show called the snow queen okay. based off of frozen. So they were okay. <laughs> in San Jose it was the San Jose rep theater. And I told mm -hmm. myself, if I book a show in California, I'm moving to California. And that's okay. exactly what happened. And I booked that show. And I packed up some stuff, put it in storage in LA, did the show, and then I drove back to LA and that's how I moved to LA. Okay. Yeah, I just told myself if I book a job in California in the next year, I'm gonna to move to California. 
moving to Los Angeles can be a tough transition. It's a very different city. It's it's a lot more isolated. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's tough. Did the, did it help the transition when you won the showcase showdown on Price is Right? Was that was that a helpful was that helpful for getting you set up here and uh, you know, oh my god, this guy is going <laughs> into my bag. Well, first of all, okay, mm-hmm. well, when I won that, I was uh-huh. 19. I was doing Fame the Musical. Oh, okay. So this was this that, was back. This, this was back in the day. Back. Okay. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Um, but that was a highlight. That was funny as hell. Um, and we all wore fame shirts to make sure at least one of us, because I didn't know you, you pretty much get interviewed. Like back yeah. then, I thought you just kind of go. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a casting person and they ask you have to wait in line and we have to oh, yeah. Like, I've I've done it. You've I, done I, it. Yeah, I so haven't been. I wasn't picked to be on the show, but the one time my parents visited, we waited in line, did the whole thing, tried to look excited the whole time we were in line to, right? <laughs> so we could get picked and none of us did. Yeah. And honestly, I think they picked me because of my name. Because I remember about maybe eight of us went and we had mm-hmm. our shirts and they were asking us, where are you guys from? We're like, we're doing a show here, whatever. And I remember the casting lady saying, oh, that's an interesting name. And she was like, well, where's, where's Scarlett? And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And then we came back and we sat in the audience and I was like the second group to get called. Okay. That was crazy. Yeah. Do you, what and, did you, what did you win in the showcase showdown? And do you still have any of it? Oh, uh, I ended up winning a car. Mm-hmm. Um, a Mustang. Okay. okay. <laughs> I won the showcase showdown. Right. Um, I ended up winning a car. I ended up winning a, I have nothing of it. I ended up winning like a boxer man. It looked like a boxer Iron man? man. Yeah, it looked like Iron Man. Oh, okay. It's like the whole dummy that you could punch to like get abs and like work out to. You got to hit it. Sure, that sure, was sure. Crazy. <laughs> I ended up winning a gas range stove, mm-hmm. um, which my godfather ended up like. I, that was a whole other story too. That's when, basically, I was in New York, uh-huh. and. I was like, where am I going to put all this stuff, right? So the mm-hmm. gas range stove, my godfather had a place in Brooklyn and he was like, I'll hold it. <laughs> and then next thing you know, me and my sister go over there to get it. And he's already like cut off half of his cabinet, half of his like countertop, trying to shove this stove in and didn't <laughs> tell me. So we were both pissed because he didn't <laughs> tell me because it was a beautiful gas range stove. I never yeah. forget that. Yeah, so... Um, and then I got some glasses. That was another thing too. The glasses were so cheap. I ended up cutting my finger right here. I still have the scar, having to rush myself to the hospital. Oh my God. Clean out. Yeah. So there's always a story with each appliance. <laughs> what else? I had a safe. I want a safe, a six, a, a six foot safe that my uncle still, my godfather still has. Um, I ended up winning the car, but the car, when you go inside, it's just a box. There's okay. no radio. There's no air conditioner. It's just the shell. So weird. Yes. Yeah, so when you go and sit down and they're like, the models are like waving. Mm-hmm. I remember looking like, are you kidding me right now? So you have to put all that stuff in yourself. So I ended up getting <laughs> the money for the Mustang. Instead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Plus you're, yeah. you're living in New York at the time. You didn't need it. Yeah. You didn't I didn't need, need all that. Yeah. So you've been yeah. in LA a while. Um, you switched to on-camera acting more and more. Um, and recently you've done a lot of multi-cams, 90 show, call me cat. <laughs> do you feel like do you feel like the theater helped prepare you for multi-cam? Because it's just such a different, it's so different than single cam. It's basically doing a play again. Yeah, I feel like it's so I always talk to the talk to people about this and like because I feel like 
I've been in acting classes where they're like, okay, I'll give you an example. It's like, if they don't know I'm from theater, Mm-hmm. Then they go, I've been at acting class where they go, okay, wait, bring it down a little bit, but they know they don't know I'm from theater. Right. But then as soon as they know, they go straight to bring it down. But then mm. I look and I'm looking at other people that are just as big as me. It's almost like a double, it's like because they know I've come from theater, they just assume, oh, it's big, big, big. Right. And people like Kevin Hart. And I'm sure. like, okay, well, <laughs> what's going on here? Because he's yeah. as big, you know. So it's like always like a struggle. And then I feel like I try not to like, I try not to make Rhett too small and really show mm-hmm. Rhett. So it's like hard because I don't want to be too big, but then it depends on the project. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on what the show is or whatever. So it's just all, but I try to just, you know, still show Rhett. Mm-hmm. But definitely theater, I think helps with multicam because that's yeah. what, you know, definitely. Yeah. That's, I think the first time anybody's ever called Kevin Hart big. Um <laughs> Tiny, tiny man, no offense. Um, so you have been a lot of stuff on stage and on screen. You've had a lot, you've had great TV credits recently. You've had tons of theater credits, but you know, we're in a business where it's sort of an iceberg where we see the successes up top and then there's so many no's and so much struggle and so much stuff underneath it. You know, I think of you as this very happy very like excitable like just like you're such a great like like i said like you're, you're a ray of light but we are in this business where we get told no all the time and it's hard so how do you stay inspired to keep going during the times that aren't as good yeah i don't i feel like i don't know if it's god or the energy or ancestors or my great great grandfather that had the personality like i have my days mm-hmm. where i'm like why did i move to la why did I get in this business? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I do something else? Because this business is hard. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you, you know, if, if you're a lawyer, you're always going to have that sales set and no one's going to, you know, it's more of like trying to get into the firm. But here mm-hmm. you can be talented as all get out, but you don't get the job or whatever, you know? Yeah. But for some reason, I cannot stay in whatever uh, down for mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, for some reason, I always come out of it and I just keep going and I always look at the next day or whatever, you know, I just, and maybe that's, I don't know, cause I know other people that stay in it long, you know, but for some reason I can't, I always yeah. find myself to get out and it, I don't know. And maybe, yeah, I can't explain it. I just, you know, I just kind of get out of it and I just, okay, well, there's another day. Let me just go outside and walk around, get a Starbucks and then on to the next, you know, I just, and I think it's a thing of like dreaming and keep mm-hmm. hopeful, you know, and, um, and what's for you is for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I used to compare myself to other people, especially when I moved to LA and I'm seeing my peers in New York mm-hmm. do maybe go up the ladder or do other things. And I'm like, well, I could have been doing that too had I stayed in New York, mm-hmm. but this is my path and this is my, but then I'm proud of myself because I'm like, no, I, I um, took a risk or mm-hmm. I did something else, you know, cause there's a lot of people in New York that are going from show to show, but I know they're not happy or I mm-hmm. know they would love to do other things. So, you know, it's just, this business is all about like ring around the rosy, you know, you just keep going, you know, if that makes sense, if I'm just blabbering, but. No, no, it totally makes sense. It is, yeah. it's, I, I want, I'm, I, I want more of that energy. I need to be better at that. Cause I can get into like, 
you know, oh, this project didn't go, this thing, you know, or this, we've, we've hit a delay and it'll be a while before we start filming this or this or whatever. And it's just like, well, why do I bother, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit. And you you have much more of a, I don't know, it's, it's, it's good that you're able to pull yourself out of that. And I need to learn from you maybe how I can be better <laughs> about that. Um, one thing that I want to, we haven't talked about like your music yet. We're running out of time very quickly. Oh, I know. Wow. It's so awesome talking with you. It's so awesome talking to you. We'll have to do this again in person. Uh, okay. I'm willing to do it um, probably outside because I'm still that guy. Um, <laughs> but you've got a couple, you've you've got a singing career, you've got albums out. You your One of your songs, Butterfly, was featured on So You Think You Can Dance and that got it into the iTunes R&B charts. Yes. How did that come about? How did that, do you know how that happened or were you, were you surprised when it happened? Well, well, okay, long story short, basically mm -hmm. when I moved to LA, I was dabbling in all these things. So I would go on backstage, mm -hmm. I filled out a thing, I saw these producers that were looking for singers and I just submitted myself. Mm -hmm. Six months later, they hit me up and, and we started working together. Come to find out they're, um, they do a lot of work for So You Think You Could Dance, editing and all those like reality shows, Mass mm -hmm. Singer, et cetera. And they've, we just clicked and they've gotten me, you know, gigs along the way where they'd be like, right, can I go to the studio? Like I used, I did like the first season of Mass Singer. I did a lot of background vocals. Yeah. So you can hear me if you like on the first okay. season. Yeah. So stuff like that. So same thing. They call me up. Hey, Rhett, um, can you come write this song real quick? It has to sound <laughs> like The weekend. So they sent okay. me the track. I went in the studio. We wrote the song in like an hour, and it was called Butterfly. Yeah. I went this. I did like two days of recording. Did boom, 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 boom. Come to find out, the guy Lex Ishimoto danced to the song mm -hmm. on his audition. It aired, and then the next day, that song is like in the top 100 on R&B charts because people and then people are like hitting me up on Instagram. Oh, Micah from like <laughs> Japan. Hey, we love your song. People are sending me videos of them dancing to the song. That's wild. It's, it's cool crazy. to have that kind of impact on people. That's, yeah. It has to feel amazing. Yeah, it, I was like, whoa, you know, yeah. people are still hitting me up. Like what like people are asking what happened to you or like, where's your album? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, child, that was just a one off. I'm just trying to <laughs> I'm not you know what I mean, I'm not signed. You know, but they're like, where's your, when's your next single coming out? What happened? That's, I'm like, wow. You know, so that's pretty much how that song came about. And the guy ended up winning that season. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah. people are going to, that song just, that song's a winner. It sounds like if that's, oh. if that's. Well, thank you. I mean, it yeah. just seems obvious. We have about two minutes left. Uh oh, so wow. I, I know. Isn't this, this is so fast. Um, so I. I want to give you this opportunity right here to plug anything that you want to plug, to tell people where they can follow you on the social medias, anything like that. I want to get that okay. in before we run out of time. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm getting back to social media. I mm -hmm. haven't been on Instagram and like, I'll check, but I am Rhett George is my Instagram. I used to do mm -hmm. these things called the on, on the spot monologues and people are always hitting me up, telling me, where are you? Are you okay? Um, but I haven't been on Instagram in a year posting, but I will get back to it. Okay. Okay. Um, and then you could find me on iTunes, Rhett George. Mm -hmm. I have like different singles. Like I've even done like hooks for my barbers, <laughs> my barbers that are rappers. Like it's so random. I, listen, Rhett George equals hustler. Okay. Whenever I'm in it, my barber will be like, yo, Rhett, I got this hook. Can you do it? Can you come do the hook for me? And then I'll do it. You know, um, uh, what else? Yeah, so that's pretty much where I'm at. I Twitter, Rhett George too. Okay. Um, 
And I'm trying to be better this year in 2023 to put myself out there again. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that. You should be out there. You're, you're so talented. You're good at everything. You were, I watched your episode of call me cat. I watched your episode (laughs) of, of, um, Oh, that 90 90 show. show. They cut some of my lines. It's okay. You got one good line in there. I got one line in there. (laughs) Um, I'm grateful that they didn't cut me all together. You know, I know there was an issue with the wig. They thought the wig was was a big wig. It was was a big big wig. So I'm grateful that I got the credit mm-hmm. and um, yeah, you know, Rhett, we only have, we have less than a minute now. I want to use oh the, our remaining time to ask some of the bigger questions in life, get to know you on an even deeper, mm-hmm. more personal level, get to know your soul. If you could live forever, would you want to, and why or why not? Wow. If I could live forever, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would want to. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay too. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.